Well, good morning, church. How are you this morning? Oh, that was convincing. Very, very convincing. Okay, there we go. We got a woohoo going on over here. Well, we're excited that we can continue on with our sermon series that we've entitled Prayers That Change the World. And how many of you can say from experiences in your life that maybe you've had a personal prayer that has changed the world or changed at least your world? How many of you can say that prayer has changed something in your life, right? I hope that all of us at some point can say that, you know what, I've prayed a prayer or I've been involved with someone who prayed a prayer and we've seen God move in a mighty, mighty way. Now, throughout history, though, we see these prayers and the followers of Jesus who have lifted their voices. And as we talked about this, who have lifted their voices, maybe in a cry of injustice or to hear the heart of God and screaming out as a voice for the voiceless and maybe interceding for those who were in need. We've seen these. And at that time, these prayers to those people might seem little, right? They might seem just like drops in an ocean that they don't know truly the impact that's going to happen from their prayers. But yet now, years later, we see that these prayers have impacted and echoed through the generations. And today, we want to share again with you one of those prayers. And this prayer was prayed by St. Patrick. Let's listen this morning. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, and Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who speaks of me, and Christ in the mouth of every man who knows me. Christ in every eye that sees me, and Christ in every ear that hears me. Amen. I love this prayer. And I think many of us can even relate at times to this prayer that was just prayed. The fact that it is simple. If you haven't noticed, there was one word repeated Many, many, many times. Christ. And as we look at this, that's one simple. There was no fancy words or terms. There wasn't like you were reading the King James version of this and that and, and habiteth. And you're like, what in the world did I just even hear? But the simplicity of it and just saying, let Jesus be before me. Let him be in me, around me. Let him be seen. At times, this is many times our prayer, Right? That we pray this prayer that, God, what does that look like? Let your glory, let you and who you are surround me. Now, saying that is a lot easier. We can probably admit that at times. Like, you're like, I've said that, but, man, doing it, whew. Man, words, what's the saying? Words are cheap at times. But today we want to see what does that really mean to have Christ in us, Christ around us, Christ through us, Christ behind me, Christ to my right, Christ to my left. What does that even look like? And we look at the life of St. Patrick. I mean, he had no ordinary life. Now, many of us probably can relate or think of St. Patrick's when we think of that Irish holiday and everyone goes crazy, you know. I mean, I think in Erie here, I, I don't know, I think it's a big bowling holiday. I think I hear a lot of people go bowling. Maybe that's a good thing, all right? But St. Patrick, we think of the Irish, we think of the three-leaf clover, and we look at this, and really his life was nothing but ordinary. Patrick, at the age of 16, was kidnapped. 
He was stolen by Irish raiders and taken to Ireland where they enslaved him then there for six years. Six years he worked as a herdsman and he lived in the slavery and he had a dream then about a boat that would take him away. And when he had that dream, he followed it and he, worked, and he said, you know, I'm gonna take that as a sign of God. And he moved and he got actually, and there was a boat and he was able to return back to Britain only there to find that he was enslaved again for a short amount of time before returning and connecting with his family. You see, this story here doesn't end right there, though, because as he is during this time of enslavement and during this time of turbulence, there we go, and turmoil in his life, he dove into Christ. He dove deeper into his faith. And then back in Britain, when he was with his family, he heard the voice of God again in a dream, calling him to go back to Ireland. It took him a while to go back to Ireland at that point, but not because he was unwilling, but because he thought that he was unfit. Who am I to go back? Who am I to do this? Who am I to go back to the Irish? But eventually he gave and he said, God, I let my life be for you. And maybe it was when he prayed this prayer. But he went back to Ireland and there he reached out to the island and revival happened. And it's been said that there were miracles occurred on the Irish island of Ireland there. And that people were raised from the dead and even provisions were given in miraculous ways such as famished travelers finding a herd of pigs praying that, God, would you provide for us? And at that point, a herd of pigs came that they were able to eat. You know, how many of you guys have prayed for provision and God sent a herd of pigs to your house, all right? It might look a little different in nowadays. It might, okay? But he went beyond this. He traveled there and said, God, use me beyond what I think I can do. Use me in your way. You see, in many ways, as I read this story and as I looked at the life of St. Patrick, it reminded me of a story in the Bible that I want to use today as we look at it. And it's the story of Daniel. The story of Daniel. You see, this story starts off in a similar way of a young man who is in his home country. And at that time, Babylon, the Chaldeans go and they besiege it and they take Daniel because he was of nobility or of royalty or of just, he was a good looking guy. My parents named me well. Um, no, just kidding. But it was, he was seen as someone who was that, they were like, you know what, we're going to take this. And he, they said, he has the ability to be working within the king's ranks, in the king's house. And he had these certain qualifications that they were looking for. And that's where we see this. When he gets there, it reads this in verse 8. So if you follow along in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, after he got there, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. You see, just like Patrick did when he was in captivity, when he was in that times of trials, he said, I'm going to stand on my faith. And just like this, Daniel goes and says, you know what? I know what I've learned in my love for God and my love for the law. I will stand up and say to the rulers, no, I resolve, I will not defile myself because of my love of God. You see, there will come a point at times where we have to realize that what we stand for will also translate to what we'll stand against. And he resolved not to defile himself there. And Daniel knew that God commanded them not to eat this, and he chose to stand up for that, and that was his way. Now, St. Patrick did the same, and now we look at us. We got to cling to what is true. 
We need to cling to what God has said. And when we realize what this prayer says, that Christ in me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, we realize that the change and then what we look for will often change the way we act. Will change the way we act. Because if Christ is all around you, then people should see just one thing when they look at you. Just like this prayer said. That God, let them, when they hear my voice, hear you. Let them, when they see me, see you. Simple words, but yet powerful, right? So today, we want to talk some more about this. Now, how many of you have ever been bird watching? How many of you, anyone, anyone in here like a big bird watcher? All right. You know, bird watching. Now, I cannot say that I, this is a huge hobby of mine, but I remember back when I was in Royal Rangers. I know we have some Royal Ranger people in here, right? Can I get a shout out? All right. Wednesday nights, come on out. All right. There's a little shout out for Royal Rangers, small groups, okay? Royal Rangers is a small uh, group of boys who learn about God, and it's like almost like a Christian Boy Scouts, all right? And it was in that time growing up that I was in this, and one of our books had classifications of birds. And now one of the enjoyable things and one of the interesting things about bird watching or looking at them is that you become familiar with what they look like, and it can be quite easy at times to identify them by their size, their shape, or the, even their flight patterns, coloring, and songs. Now, some birds look very similar, and look at this picture here. So this bird right here, this is not the same birds, all right? On the west, or yeah, on the west, on the left-hand side, you have a western uh, meadowlark, and on the east side, you have an eastern meadowlark. Now, as you can tell, they're probably pretty hard to tell the difference when they're flying around, aren't they not? And you look at them, but there's one distinguishing factor is that if you heard the songs of these birds, they're extremely different. If you heard the calls of these birds, they're extremely different. And today, as we look at this concept of Christ in me, I want to ask you this. How do we resemble these birds? Where many times people might look at us and say, or are they saying they look the same as what's around them? But what is the distinguishing factor? What is it that says that identifies us as a Christian? Because many people look at America, at Canada, and they think of our countries as Christian countries. Christian countries. And they say everyone there must be Christian. But truly, do our friendships identify us as a, as a Christian? Does our family background, does our resemblance, does our actions, how do we identify so that there is no confusion so that if we were right up next to someone, that they would be able to say, you know, they are a follower of God, that they are Christ. And I think this verse helps with that. Galatians 2.20 says this, that I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. In the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when we read this and when we look at this, we understand the fact that we have to realize that the I that I know no longer lives. That Christ before me, Christ with me, Christ means that if we are encompassing in what Christ is inside of us, that means, guess what? We died with Christ. And your identity is then completely locked into him, that he lives in me, that we've given up our own desires for a life of his. You see, we're talking about baptism next week. we got to realize the fact that you don't look just like a Christian just if you're baptized. Yes, it's, I think Pastor Steve said it fantastically. It's an outward declaration of what? An inward change. And all these things we look at to be identified as Christians does not mean just to live in obedience, but to have a certain code. How many know people can be very disciplined to a certain code in their life, but yet not be Christ-like? 
And many of us can say, well, it's not just our lineage. Some of us had no Christ in our families growing up. So again, I ask the question, what does it? You see, John Piper said this, that a Christian is not a person who believes in his head the teachings of the Bible. Because Satan believes that, that in his head the teachings of the Bible. But a Christian is a person who has died with Christ whose stiff neck has been broken, whose brazen forehead has been shattered, and whose stony heart has been crushed because of pride, or and then those whose pride has been slayed, for whose life is now mastered by Jesus Christ alone. You see, the glory of this is the fact that we such a relationship is good and a steadfast purpose in the faith that God loves us and that we are going to resemble him. And so today, I want to talk about four things that if we are living with Christ in us, then our living is going to resemble this. We're going to live this way. Are you guys still with me here? All right, good, 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 good. All right, we're going to go to number one here. All right, so if you say, I'm living with Christ in me, the first thing is this. You are going to live or have living with direction. Living with direction. Now, a life lived in Christ is a life lived in a particular direction. We see this as we read the Bible and as we have grown up, or maybe you're new to the faith, or maybe you have been a Christian for the past 75 years. You realize the fact that we have a direction, and the direction of a life lived in Christ is a direction of obedience. It's a direction of obedience, not just complete and utter obedience to anything, but obedience to God's word. Then we realize it's not just by our works, but our obedience to the purity and love and in service. You see, Scripture tells us in Romans 6, 4 through 6, that we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from, through the glory of the Father, that we too may live a new life that we've been united with him like this in his death. And we've certainly also been united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self has been crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. How many of you, maybe you don't need to raise your hand, this is a rhetorical question, but know of an old self that you are glad is gone? How many of you or any of us can relate to say, you know what, that was me. That was my life. That was what I did before. I knew someone even relating back to St. Patrick. I knew a female who ended up being a, a youth worker with me when I was a youth pastor. And she, maybe this is where I get the bowling thing from. She always wanted to go bowling on St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day because she said, I knew what I used to do on St. Patrick's Day, but that's the old me. That's not the new me. You see, we have change, and we realize this. And as we look at this, Galatians 5.24 encourages that those who belong to Christ Jesus were crucified their sinful nature. I go back to John Piper, there, and he says this. There is a new I. Everyone say a new I. Now it's I like the letter I, not like the don't, don't get a new I, okay? There is a new I, and I do still live, but look who it is. It is no longer an I who craves self-reliance or self-confidence or self-direction or self-exaltation. You see, the new I looks away from itself. It trusts in the Son of God, whose love and power was proved on Calvary. And from that moment that I wake in the morning to the moment that I fall asleep at night, that new I of faith despairs of itself and looks to Christ for protection and motivation, courage, direction, enablement, and to walk in joy, peace, and righteousness because that is a great way to live. So the question is this, is do we live it? 
If we say this prayer and we have this prayer where Christ in me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, then we need to live it. We need to live in obedience to what Christ has asked us, asked us to do, and we examine our whole life and being Christ first. Christ first. You see, living in Christ and having Christ live in us requires that obedience. Continuing on, another way that we see this, that if we have Christ in us, then we are living with power. Look at the person next to you say, you got the power. All right, I want you to do it just like that. I heard one person do it. I heard one person, all right? I, I, I guess that's a win, all right? You've got the power. Now, not just off of what you have, all right? This isn't like you walk around pridefully boasting about that, but no. We see the Romans, it says this, that we cannot live the Christian life but the power that comes from our own determination. We says this in Romans 8, 3 and 4. It says, for what the law was powerless to do, it was weakened by a sinful nature. Now, God did this by sending his own son in the likeness of a sinful man to be a sin offering so that he can condemn sin and sinful man in order that righteousness requirements of the law might be fully met in us. So who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit? You see, being in Christ and living in the power of Christ is to make you a conduit of that power. Christ in me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ is that fact that within me now there's something greater than I. It's no longer I, but it's something greater. It's God within me. And in doing so, we make our lives a holy receptacle. Now, we've seen this throughout history, right? In the Old Testament, we look at it, and God gave them at that point said, hey, build a tabernacle. He gave them specific directions. He said it needs to be this certain size. It needs to be weighed with this certain type of material. And they took that tabernacle. And then once they finished it, they got done with building it. And then what did they do? They offered sacrifices to cleanse it. And when it was cleansed, it says that the cloud that was guiding them, the cloud that we believe that was the spirit of God that was guiding them at that point came and rested upon the tabernacle and he dwelled there. Well, then we look at the New Testament, or not the New Testament, but a little further, when they actually get their homeland, we see the directions for the temple, right? They give them specific directions, specific details on building the temple, and the same process came where then they made a sacrifice, and they cleansed the temple, and then that's where the indwelling of God's presence was, in the Holy of Holies. Well, see, we live in a time now where we've been cleansed. You see, we were cleansed not by the shedding of an animal's blood, but by Jesus coming and dying on that cross, and his blood being paid and shed for us. So that way that when we accept Jesus and we accept that cleansing, that we are now fit vessels just like before. And that within us and through us, the indwelling of God himself and the person of the Holy Spirit can move. You see, when we say that we have Christ in us, that when we say Christ in me, before me, we realize that we are living in Christ and that ushers us into the blessed privilege to show his glory and the Spirit's power. And that the power of the Spirit of God is there present to help us. Even going back to the story of Daniel here, as we look at that, and as we look at what it said here, he, remember, he resolved himself. He says, I won't do this. He cleansed himself, says that that would defile me. It would make me something that I don't want to be. It would make me unpure because I know what God has told me I should be. And then it says this in verse 9. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. 
And then even if we skip ahead a little bit to verse 15, it says this, that at the end of the 10 days, so if you don't know the story, he, he got the, his wish and he had the certain food and the guy was really terrified that, hey, you are not going to look as good as everybody else. You're not eating the choice stuff. Um, but he says, just trust me. And then after 10 days, it says this, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. How many of you wish that you could do a diet for 10 days and have visible differences? Yeah, right? 10 days usually is not a long time or a substantial difference that would make you stand out in a substantial way. But however, what we do know is that the Spirit of God produces immeasurably more, Pastor Nicole said this last week, immeasurably more with our little bit than what we can do with our lot. So 10 days of walking resolved, 10 days of walking in the Spirit of God made all the difference. And they stood out among all the other men. You see, living in Christ involves the surrender. Having Christ in me is I surrender that, but then we are empowered and we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We no longer walk around, well, it's not Christ, it's not, it's not me, and then we just kind of, you know, don't do anything. No, we walk around saying, it's not Christ, and I'm doing even bigger and better things because Christ is doing it through me. Amen. That I walk in power, I walk in calling, I have this direction. It's not our pride, but it's out of guess what? I get to show off who looks even better, God. I get to show off what God is doing, what God has done in my life. So we live with direction. We live with power. And we live with a message. We're living with a message. You see, we as a church identify ourselves as evangelical. And even right there in that description of it is from the Greek word where Eve means good and angelical means message. So right there, put that together, that we have a good message to proclaim. That we have this message, and the Bible teaches us, First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4.11 says, For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed through our mortal body. You see, the purpose of living is not to show off who you are, but the purpose of living is to glorify Christ through what he has given us in our mortal body. Colossians 1.27 says, God has chosen you to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, most of us here today, we fall into that category of Gentiles. We, we fall into that category of, hey, our purpose is to show the glory of God. We have a message. A great message. Now let me ask you though, do people see that message in you? Do people see that? If we claim to have that message and have this, are we showing that message when they are rub up against you, when they're with you? Or do we portray more often or not that we lack joy, that we lack peace, that we're really no different, that if we were like those birds that we saw there, the two meadow larks, that if we were right next to each other, it would be extremely difficult to tell a difference. We look at this and we realize that we have a message. And maybe it's simply because we have never once spoken out about that. And we have this answer, this key, and we say, God, Christ in me. God, it's almost like we want to be like, God, Christ in me, but just stay in me, okay? Don't let anyone else see it because I don't want confrontation. They might think I'm politically biased. They might think this. They might think this. You know, God, Christ in me and remain there, Lord. Please don't come out, all right? It's like you become this like little Pandora's box. But the fact is, we realize that Christ has given us a message to share. Last year, I had an opportunity to share in one of our chapels here at the school. 
And I shared with this illustration that I've used some other places, and my brothers used it as a pastor of the places too. And during my sermon, I had a, a vase up there. And in this vase was a, a small little cute goldfish. And this goldfish swam around the entire time I was speaking. I never really addressed it. And then at one point, kind of nonchalantly, I just come up to the vase, and I, I stuck my hand in, and I grabbed the goldfish, and I put it on the table. And then I walked away. And I kept talking, please don't report me. Don't worry, the fish survived, okay? <laughs> but it was during this that, the, oh, you can imagine, what I said at that point was not heard. The kids were what? They were looking at the goldfish. They were freaking out. They were to the point where one of the girls runs out from the school, grabs the goldfish, and puts it back inside of the vase. So I look at her and I say, why did you do that? And after she got done telling me how cruel I was and how I have no heart... She came to the simple realization, if I didn't do something, the fish was going to die. And I looked at her and I said, we're surrounded by people we know who are dying and go to hell, but yet we do nothing every day. For many of us, we live in a life that's similar to this. We can look around us and we see the suffering. We see the pain. We see those who are flopping around. And yet we're like, somebody do something, but yet we sit and remain silent. We say we have this message that God is good. He's done so much for me, but yet we don't share it with those around us. We see we have the cure to any disease that's, better or that's bigger than cancer. You see, sin has ravaged more people's lives than any healthy or health problem or any kind of physical ailment. You see, spiritual anguish follows sin. Sin does not only destroy us spiritually, but it also destroys people relationally or physically. And the consequences of sin are eternal. But yet we're caused to move to action when we see the physical things more than we even know the spiritual. You see, we have the message. We have the answer. But the problem is, do, do we have it only? Or are we sharing that? You see, when Christ is in us, it's not only the logical perspective, but it's also our calling to proclaim that gospel. It's the very presence of Christ that moves us, that Christ in us. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.14 says the love of Christ compels us. That Jesus said they're going to know you're different by your love. Which kind of segues right into this last, this kind of these two were connected, is that we live in a presence of God. If Christ is in us, guess what? If Christ is in you, then Christ does not remain here in this church building. Am I right? If Christ is in you and Christ goes before you, if Christ goes beyond you, if he's to your right and he's to your left, then he's so much bigger than any building. He's so much bigger than any one of our personalities. But Christ is then in, we live in the presence of him and take him with us where we go and when we move. We need to realize that we live honestly in a world who's skeptical, of church. We live in a world who's skeptical of church or organized religion, and often relativism reigns. But here's it's increasingly difficult to maybe get them here, but you realize that your life then becomes a constant invitation. Your life, and your, if your life is in God's presence, then we realize that this is not a new idea, but your life then shows Jesus every single day. And just as it said in John 6, just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father, so now I feed off of him, and on me will live because of me. This tells us that we need to have a relationship. 
You see, to have that Christ in us, to Christ in me, it tells us that in the Christian life, that if we live it, it's a constant daily devotion with Jesus Christ. Isn't it great how God moves? The word this morning that we received talked about this. That wherever we go, wherever I go, whatever I do, Lord, that it's in with a relationship and a functioning relationship with Christ. It's no longer that I come on Sunday mornings that I have Christ here and then I don't take him with me. But we realize that we are constantly bearers of his name in the presence of God. You see, the story of Daniel that we looked at continues throughout the entire book. And it depicts a life of full devotion. Many of us, if we grow up, we know the story of Daniel in the lion's den, right? And he was thrown in there because why? He... prayed three times a day, every day, complete devotion. And he continued to do that even in the aspect of danger. You see, complete dedication in every aspect, a complete saturation. It means that for all of us here, we can't go and say, Christ in me, but I'm going to go do a shady kind of deal at work. Or maybe that's not quite, because that doesn't speak of Christ. Or if we say, you know what, Christ in me, but yet... We choose to tear down others when we see them, or when we don't see them behind their backs. These simple things that will show Christ. You see, it comes down to this, that Christ in me means that you are different. That you're different. That it's not just by your works, but that when you see your works and when you see who you are, that people will see Christ. Just as this prayer that we read earlier said, let them see you in what I say. Let them hear you and let them see you when they see me. Let them hear you when I speak. Let them see you in my actions. You see, this concept could seem overly, overwhelmingly big at times when we say Christ in me, and we can think that we are imperfect or that we can't. How can we live up to that? Well, I challenge you to even do it in the small things this morning. That in the smallest of things that we say, Christ in me, so this is how that looks different. That everyone around me, that if I have to walk away, I have to walk away. But I will be different because Christ is in me. And then you know what happens is that's when you begin to see Christ before me. That you see, you know what, when I walked away, it was at that point that I saw Christ open up doors. I heard a story of a man who refused, refused, for the simple thing to clock in one of his friends when he was, his friend asked him, would you clock me in at work? Everyone does it. I'll be there late, but I won't do that. But I, but I want you to do that. And he refused. And then the work environment this continued on and it kept going and it kept talking about the fact that other people would do this. They would clock each other in and they would help each other out. And how you can see how this could seem like almost he was being the mean one here. But he said, no, I live to a standard where I won't do that. And it was later that they realized that there was an audit of time spent. And he was the only employee who was respectable and honored. And he got promoted for that. You see Christ in him. And he said, I'll stand to this standard. I will be resolved. And then later Christ went before him and provided a way for a promotion. Christ went before him and provided a way for provision. So in closing today, I'm a teacher at heart. 
And one of the ways teachers kind of evaluate is that they do multiple choice questions, right? So if we looked at this and we looked at what we talked about today, if we said, you know what, you had to choose between one of these, you had to choose in this multiple choice, what does it mean to be in Christ or have Christ in you? And I said, A, it means to have direction of obedience. Or B, it means to live in the power of the Spirit. Or C, it means to be involved in proclaiming the gospel. Or D, means to have that relationship every day. I pray that most of us would say, okay, where's the E option, right? Where's the fifth option of what many of us teachers do? All the above. All the above. Because as we realize that all these come together and the so describably fully describe what the scripture says and that we know that to be like Christ, to have Christ within us produces change that's seen outside of us. So how do we evaluate our lives, evaluate and examine it, and live according to these things that we talked about today? And I know, again, it seems broad, but I challenge you this week to stand out in one way where you say, you know what, God, I want to be the light. I want people to see Christ in me in this way. And I challenge you then to be willing to proclaim that good news that God has given you. Let's pray. God, this morning, as we go into a time here where we are going to do a guided prayer, I pray, Lord, that you will just speak to us, that this week we would know, God, that you are in control and that you, God, are in us, that Christ in us, Christ before us, Christ to my left, Christ my life. God, I pray that this simple prayer would truly be a changing prayer in our life, that a different prayer, that, God, we would walk in the power, that we would not be timid, God, but that we would walk in power that your spirit has given us. And I pray, God, that we would proclaim that message and that when others ask, why are you different? What is this difference about you, God? That we would be able to give account to what you have done and what you are doing in our life. So, God, I pray today that you will move in our life and in an amazing way and that, God, when we say Christ in me that we would be able to say Christ through me and we would show your glory every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, would you stand? We're just going to end just a few minutes um, today. The pattern we've been doing this past few weeks is um, some guided prayer times. And the idea is that this would just give you some really practical ways um, to pray when you're home, when you're at work, when you're throughout the week. Uh, and to breathe some fresh life. So just hang with me for just a few minutes here. Uh, the prayer pattern I want to teach you this morning has four segments. It's an acronym. You may have heard it before, and it's the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. And so A is for adoration. So let's just take a moment, just right where you are. You can declare it out loud. You can say it in your mind, but just declare, speak out loud or in your mind, your adoration for Jesus. Jesus. God, we declare your creator. God, you are the sustainer. God, we love you because you're our redeemer. God, you're our savior. You're our lover. You're our healer. God, you are the Lord of our life. You are our friend. You keep getting better. You keep getting better. Now the C is for confession. 
Psalm 139, 23 through 24 says, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And this is the moment that we take in prayer where we take inventory of our lives and, and we seek God's forgiveness. And so when I do this, I ask myself these types of questions. God, um, have I spoken any words that were hurtful or critical or, or doubtful or ungrateful? Have I, have I honored any anxious or harsh thoughts? Have I had selfish motives? Have I, have I had a poor attitude? Have I acted in disobedience or rebellion against you? And so just right now, just take a minute and ask God those questions. Lord, where is it in my life that I'm, I'm off a little bit? Where is my swing off? God, we just come to you this morning and we, we thank you for bringing to light the ways that our lives are not aligning with your will. And we ask for forgiveness. God, we, we thank you for the death of your son on a cross that, that because of that act, we can be forgiven of these sins today. And so we pray for your complete forgiveness. And Jesus, we pray for a fresh start a fresh start today. We know that the forgiveness has come at a great cost to you. And Lord, we do not skim over it like sin doesn't cost anybody anything. God, it costs you everything. And so Lord, we, we're sorry. We're sorry for the ways that we try and fail. We're sorry for the ways that we don't even try and fail. We're sorry for the things we do over and over to hurt you. Please forgive us. Now, the T in the acronym is for thanksgiving. So this is just a moment where we thank God for the spiritual blessings and the earthly benefits that God has gifted us. So just take a moment. Again, you can whisper it or say it out loud or smack your spouse next to you. Or, but just say, God, thank you. Thank you. Express your gratitude to God for some things in your life right now. Try to think of five things that you're thankful for. Help us develop and live out a grateful heart. God, help us develop and live out a grateful heart, a heart of thanksgiving. Now, the last letter is, is S. And you could say it's for supplication or I just think of the word seek. This is what I'm seeking God for. And this is where you, you, you bring the things that you need, the bring the things that you want I encourage you to be as specific as possible. I'm just gonna do an example today. I want you to pray with me. Um, I heard from Pastor Danielle yesterday that a few of the, uh, the people on the team in Cambodia are uh, sick with a stomach illness. And um, we just wanna pray for them this morning. Uh, we wanna pray, let's just pray together, just seek God together. Father, we thank you that 
you have said in your word that by your stripes we're healed. We thank you that, that you can bring healing, Lord God, that we can pray right here in Erie, Pennsylvania. And Father God, that your power and your arm is not too short to get to Cambodia. And so we pray even in this moment, Lord God, as, as their church is praying for them, that those of them who are dealing with any nausea or any sickness, Lord God, would it would just be gone in Jesus' name. We pray that you would help them have the fullness of the ministry that they were sent there to do. And so in Jesus' name, I pray that all 11 of those people will be full of health and energy, and even in this moment would feel the presence of your Holy Spirit reaching out to them. God, we seek you for this. God, we come to you for this. We seek you for it. And so through the week, as you're going through this acronym, you can, at that time in that seek portion, that's when you pray your need, you pray your want, you ask God for what it is that you're seeking. And so I'm just gonna close us this morning. Father God, we love you. We adore you. We confess our sin to you. We come to you with grateful and thanksgiving hearts and we seek you. And your word says that when we seek you, we will find you. We wanna know you better and better each day. So would you help our hearts turn to you? And it's in your strong and perfect name I pray, amen, amen. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next Sunday.